1: Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. And today, Sarah and I are going to do something we've, I don't know, dabbled in doing a few times, which is answering listener questions. We get a lot of them, and sometimes they're not enough to, you know, do a whole episode around, but they're always really fun to answer. Um, And so that's what we're doing today. Yeah, we got some good ones.
0: Um, we got one that came in through SpeakPipe, which is where you can call in your question and you'll actually actually hear Becky's voice ask her question first up. Um, and then we've got two more great questions. So keep sending your questions to us. We love getting them. We try to incorporate them in some way, almost every one. Some of them kind of get combined together or just conceptually added into the mix. But um, today we're going to go Dear Abby style on three <laughs> three of our listeners. So it's going to be fun.
1: Yeah,
2: so let's start.
0: All right, here's Becky's question.
2: Hi, this is Becky. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast for a while. I have two boys, seven and four. And I was just wondering if you guys maybe could talk a little bit at some point about times when your kids have had rough phases for various reasons. You know, there's, there's always... Somebody going through something that's a little frustrating. Um, right now, my son, my older one, is going through a very anxious phase. He's always been a little tricky with napping, with sleeping, with tantruming, um, but he's just got this free floating anxiety now. It comes up at bedtime. Uh, it comes up when he has to do something new, like go to camp or go swimming somewhere. He's never been swimming before. And it kind of becomes the center of everybody's attention. He gets worried. He can't do it. He kind of freezes up and then he gets mad or he has a tantrum or he lashes out and hits his brother and it goes up and down. Um, But I just was thinking today it would be kind of helpful to hear you guys um, talk about other phases, um, times where your kids have been challenging, um, how you got through it, what the other side of the very frustrating phase looked like.
0: Oh, Becky, we feel you. Um, this is a great question. And I think, I think um, the bigger picture part of my answer, I think what we can focus on is how to kind of cope and deal when one of your kids is going through a really tough phase, which is the question she's asking. But I also have a son who is uh, very tightly wound, I like to say. Um, and super intense emotionally, and so I can spe- more specifically relate to some of what Becky's um, talking about. And I I know from an email that her son is seven. I don't know if that came through in her audio, but we are talking about a seven year old here. So um, I guess I'll just kind of offer my little story about Reed. Reed is six now, and is definitely would qual- qualify for kind of anxiety like behaviors. But he doesn't have a lot of fears, which is what I think of when I think of kids and anxiety. So it's taken me a while to kind of learn what that looks like for him and also manage my own uh, worry about it. And that's been over the last year or so. Um, So without just going into a lot of details about him, it's a lot of the same, I I feel the same way that Becky does in that it can really dominate your family and Mm -hmm. kind of your mindset as a mom. And almost to, if you have more than one kid, almost at the expense of your other kids, quite honestly. And number one, I think this is probably just normal. Like she said in her questions, somebody's always going through something. I remember when I decided to have three kids, my mom was like, well, it's pretty (laughs) much in a rotation. Like as soon as someone gets out of a crazy phase, whether it's the terrible twos or teenage years, somebody else is going into something. So I mean, probably a lot of acceptance of knowing that somebody is always going through something a lot of um, paying attention to your own needs, I guess, yes. my own. I, I got pretty consumed by worry over the last year about Reed. And Reed is actually fine. He does fine in school. At this point, He we're not needing any extra support for him, although that would be fine and great if we did. But I kind of like went to the like worst possible scenario when I started to see some anxiety and almost a little bit of like pre-OCD behaviors in him. And I just like, in my mind, I was down this, you know, very scary path instead of, as we know, staying in the moment, like what's the kid doing right now? And how can I help him right now? So I don't know if Becky's doing any of that kind of projecting that again is more of if you're a worrier, that's what worriers tend to do. But it's really helped me to remind myself all the time that I can, I, I have what I need to help him right here today. And if things do get worse or if we do need to get help, then we will do that. Um, I also just know that, that um, anxiety and anxious phases go in big swings. I mean, mm-hmm. I know you can probably talk about at least one of your kids, Megan, but um, it's not just little, little kids that can come back and ebb and flow. Yeah, uh, for sure. Gosh, I'm all over the place. Here. Well, no, I think it's- and, and then I'm sure I'll have yeah. more specific tips.
1: Well, one thing I, I was thinking about is, you know, how do you know the difference? I have a friend who's going through something very similar to Becky. Her, her son is older and has always had these problems. So let, one of the questions that's in my mind is how do you know when something is truly a phase or something yeah. is just a different manifestation? Um, Clara has a lot of anxieties. I did not recognize them as anxieties until pretty recently because they didn't look that way. It right. looked like someone who talked a lot and asked a lot of questions. And what I finally right. realized is she gets stuck on some, like she'll yeah. she'll ask permission to do something, but then she has to pose the question like five different ways, yeah. I guess, just to make sure I actually am okay with it. I, I don't yeah. like, and I always thought that was just a kind of a cute quirk until other stuff kind of started coming yeah. together. And I thought, oh, it's not, this isn't really a phase. This is her. Right. And right. right now this is how it's coming right. out. Um. Right. I'm not sure it matters really, I guess, as long as... Like you said, you take care of yourself, you take care of their needs that are in front of you right now. So, right. you know, if you need some kind of outside support, um, which this friend of mine actually has decided it's time for that. She was yeah. able to manage it for a long time. He's getting older. She's like, he needs more tools in his toolbox than I can yeah. give him. Um, so I think that's another thing. Like, you know, we were talking about, I've had kids go through bratty phases. I had Owen went through a phase where whenever he didn't get his way, he would come up and ran me in the side with his head over and yeah. over. Um, we had a phase with William where if we were out someplace, it's so funny cause he's so steady now, but he yeah. went through a little phase where if he didn't get what he wanted like in the store, uh-huh. he would just sit down and uh-huh. not move. And he could like turn his body into lead somehow. It was, it got, like, it became heavier yeah. than was possible. Um, like change the gravitational force somehow underneath him. So we yeah. couldn't pull him out of the store. And right. that to me is like a phase, you yeah. know, that's like a truly... Yeah. Obviously he's not still doing that now. This was years ago. Right. Um, whatever the thing the behavioral things are or his personality that made that be the way he manifested that right. stage of his life, I guess, right. is who he is. So I don't that's not really helpful. I guess I'm just No, I think I think you know it's helpful. Yeah. I think it
0: is helpful. Um and it's brought up a couple more ideas from me, which is um one thing that helps me with Reed is to look back historically and remember all of, because he is, he has always been tightly wound. He's always been extremely inflexible, which again, like you're saying with Clara, I think of anxiety as, as worry in kids and fears, especially around like new situations or social situations or trying something new. And that Reed doesn't have a lot of those. He doesn't have bedtime anxiety either. So he doesn't fit the mold. What he has is a very rigid (laughs) definition of how things should be. And he gets hyper attached to things like well, to uh, material objects. So he has a really hard time saying goodbye to anything. Like we've mm. talked on this show about kids and, you know, they, they want to keep their artwork forever or a tchotchke from a goodie bag, but it, his is to the point of extreme. Um, and then he has super picky eating tendencies, which I have learned also go along with some of <laughs> these behaviors. But it does help for me, and especially if I dialogue with my husband to look back and be like, oh, remember when he could not, like you'd tell him we need to go in five minutes and he would lose. His mind. You had to, he had yeah. to have like a 20 minute warning, a 10 minute warning. You had to come sit by him and say, "I'm we're gonna need to go to school." Like things like that. Those kinds of transitions transitions were really hard, and they're so much better now. So I think I think if you're in a if you're a little bit concerned about where you are right now, if there has been improvement or growth, it can be a helpful reminder that like okay, even with this kid, this mm-hmm. you know tightly wound or intense kid, we've moved through these phases, and we're probably always going to be moving through a phase. And then that's probably also a good, you know, check-in where if you really haven't, if you've been stuck in a pattern for what feels like too long and, you know, we have our, our gut and our instinct, then then I think some kind of outside support or just talking to somebody who has experience. There's so many parents who have experienced yeah. <clears throat> parenting kid, And I think with six and seven-year-olds, we sometimes stop chit-chatting yeah, you're about right. what our kids are going through. You know, yep. like everybody's going to talk about the latest tantrum or the sleep issues with little ones. But either we get
1: embarrassed or we just think we're the only one. So I think we start blaming ourselves as they get Mm -hmm. older. I think we start blaming ourselves. We think it's something that we're doing or didn't do. You know, it's easy to say a two year old is, you know, being a two year old. Right. But we don't really know what a seven year old looks like. Like there's, you know, there's no classic things that are applied to that person. Everybody, by that point, you think it becomes a product of parenting. And we know that's not necessarily the case. Right. Right. So I'll also say that seven and eight, um, And we've talked about this before. I guess the episode we did a few weeks ago where we talked about ages. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Man, stuff is going on at 7 and 8. And I remember that. I think one thing I talked about was I remember really clearly being 7 and 8. And that's one of the first ages I have really strong memories connected to. Mm -hmm. And I remember like a lot of things being very intensified and that at that age, it's sort of the age of awareness, you know,
0: I, I I started to have a lot of fears at that age. I know. personally. I remember
1: worrying that I was going to swallow my tongue and I wouldn't be able to go to sleep at night because I thought I might accidentally swallow my tongue. I mean, it's just like an example of something that I would fixate on.
2: Right. You know,
1: I don't, you know, it it just went away. I, 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 I don't know how long it took, but I do remember that there was a lot of that kind of stuff. There's just, they're so clued in at that age and like stuff is just happening really fast. So
0: Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor
1: factors. Delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like calorie smart Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, code MOMHOUR.
0: Well, we have a lot of access to great information we talk about, I talk about all the time on this show, which can be a blessing and a curse. I feel like about a year ago when I started noticing and kind of worrying about these things, I would get super triggered myself reading <laughs> headlines online, like picky eating tied to right. OCD and children. Uh, there are some ties to picky eating and some serious mental health disorders. I have a picky eater and I also have a fairly anxious child, but what it caused me to do was kind of like not pay attention to what was actually happening in my house. <laughs> and like, yeah the these other details on top of it, which is why I don't Google things. And I wasn't Googling things. Some, I mean, I feel like there's people who Google health symptoms and people who don't, I do not. But, um, but it was coming to me in the parenting writing I was reading. And so I kind of yeah. had to like shut that off for a while and be like, we need to deal with the actual things happening in our house, not yes, with what, with might what could. Happen. You don't want to borrow.
1: You don't need to borrow trouble. Yes, I know. <laughs> and, again, you know- this is a theme with me. But
0: <laughs> um, really quick, before I forget, I don't want to cut you off. Is that there is one book that I keep hearing outstanding things about, and I might have even mentioned it on this show, and it's called "The Opposite of Worry" by um, I believe it's Leonard. Oh, I'm gonna have to look it up before the before we move on. I'll look it up. But um, and I've read another book of his, and um, he's fantastic, and it's and it, it deals with. Um, kids and fears and anxieties and it's supposed to be great.
1: Um, one other thing I wanted to mention that ties in with what you were just saying, Sarah, and I think really applies to like phase, no matter what phase your kid is in, is that you kind of touched on this already, but um, it's very tempting to kind of like try to head your kid off at of the past, like to assume yeah. if they're in a phase They come in and and I know this feeling because I've had it so many times where they walk in the room and already like my shoulders are tensing up because I just know it's coming. Whatever it is, I just – and there have been times I've sort of unfairly jumped the gun Mm -hmm. or sort of tried to talk them out of something before they even – Got into it, and I yep. think it's important just for your, even for your kids. It's not fair to make assumptions, but for yourself, yeah, just to be in a peaceful place, to not always be like anticipating the worst or waiting for the other shoe to drop. Sometimes and, it, it won't, and at some point it'll stop, probably. You know, so and yeah.
0: we notice things just like just like anything. When you're clued into something, you hyper notice yes. it, and so. Yeah. If you are, well, picky eating is a good example and that's one that I have to work on with myself is just sometimes I just need to sit on like another side of the table where I'm not paying attention to how much or how Rita's eating because that's why like going back to school is great because I'm like, I need you to eat a couple snacks and lunch away from me because, um, it is, it may be an issue, but like having it in front of your face and then like you said, anticipating it or, Mm -hmm. um, like watching it play out. Um, And this brings me to another point I wanted to make sure we made, which is if you have other children, um, it really is. If somebody's, if the squeakiest wheel is going through a big thing, it's not that you're ignoring your other children, but you're sort of, your like parental energy is really dominated. And that's definitely kind of what was going on with us. And to me, it really just helped like by being mindful and being like, I'm going to think about Allegra right now. And Mm -hmm. just think about like, what's she doing in school? What phases is she going through? Like, how am I going to connect with her today? It sounds kind of silly. But I really like my pattern had gotten so stuck um, mm-hmm. obsessing about read that I, I really had to like take my thoughts and redirect them to one of my other kids. And yeah. um, it was kind of helpful in a way. Like I
1: have three kids, you have five kids. They, yeah. they all they all deserve, they all need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one other thing I wanted to mention too, before we move on, um, is that if your kid is going through a phase that in any way is outward facing or public facing, and you're embarrassed about it, mm-hmm. that can heighten it so much. But I will say, Every kid, every person I've ever known who, I mean, that's not true. Most cases, when I've had a friend or an acquaintance whose kid is going through a phase, I'm not mm-hmm. necessarily seeing what they're seeing. Yeah, um, they just look like a regular, weird kid to me. Like kids yeah. are weird. They have quirks. Yeah. I kind of expect that. I think most people expect that. Right. So what might be really making you very anxious and this very surface for you when you're out and about, yeah. probably doesn't look to other right. people the way it looks to you and so you don't people need are to anticipate with their own
0: kids anyway, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm always thinking about kids. what my
1: kid's doing. So yeah. you don't need to necessarily anticipate and try to head it off at the past because yeah. you're so worried what other people are going to think. Probably it looks a lot more normal than you right. think. Right. Um, because like you said, it's like when you think everyone's thinking about you, but they're actually, everyone's thinking about right. themselves. <laughs> so,
0: yeah. And and then also before we leave Becky, just for kind of advice is I think talking to parents whose kids have come through phases, which is what she's doing by asking us the right. question. Good job, Becky. Um, good job. But I that is one thing I found helpful. And then um, talking to other adults who know your kid, teachers, yeah. coaches, that was really helpful to me. And I was almost embarrassed to ask his teacher like, are you seeing this at school? I think what I was was afraid she would validate it. And then I'd be really worried, like, afraid of you know, and instead, of course, what happened is she said, No, he's great in class, I'm not seeing any of those issues. And then I asked again at the conference. And she said, I, you know, I I know what you mean. And she's a mom, and she had a kid that was similar. And again, that was helpful to me. But when we worry, we can often worry very alone. So um, finding people whose advice you trust, you know, probably not just going to the wide open internet, but um, finding people who whose advice you trust and asking their opinion, um, I think might help. Yeah. Shall I move on? All right. Let's move on. So Claire, um, Claire sent us an email and I'm going to read it because it's sort of like a big messy, I'll set the context. It's a big extended family dinner at a restaurant. Um, and we've I will, yeah, we've all been there. And Claire's, child was the youngest of a big group of cousins that were at the restaurant but I'll read her words because I think that's the best way to set the scene she said um just this last weekend we had a big family reunion there were seven kids total ranging in ages from 18 months to nine years old um our expectation for our little boy is that he sits in a high chair eats his food and stays in the high chair until we are done we we also keep in mind he's little and has a short attention span so when we do eat out we make sure it's going to be not too long At the family reunion dinner, there was a lot of catching up and talking with family, so dinner took a while. The other six kids were basically running around, being loud and in the way at the restaurant. Our little guy was seeing this and wanted down out of his high chair, too. And when I did let him out, I was closely supervising him and basically supervising the other six kids as well, while the parents enjoyed a nice, calm dinner and ignoring their kids. I guess my question is this. I don't want to parent the other six kids, but I do want to be absolutely sure my child isn't the one causing problems. Is this more an issue for me because my child was the youngest in the group, or should I have said something to my cousins so they were aware their kids were being in the way?
1: Oh boy, Claire, the juicy this is one. A hot topic. Yeah. Um, okay, so I want to set the stage by saying I am pretty anal about restaurant behavior. Mm-hmm. Um. So that's the context I'm coming from. Okay. I've worked in restaurants. I yep. don't let my kids run around. They stay in their seats. Um, Period, and have always been that way. And I will say, when they were really little, that means we didn't go out to eat a lot. Yep. So I'm kind of almost looking at this and thinking, oh my gosh, why are you having a big family reunion at a restaurant? Right. It just it sounds like everyone's being
0: every weekend. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It sounds like it's it just sounds like a setup, right? Right from the get go, that's not yeah. going to give anybody what they need necessarily. Right. So I mean, that's not your fault, Claire. I'm just saying, like, it just sounds like you <laughs> walked. You just kind of wandered into a bad situation, kind of. Um. So, I mean, what do you do about it? That's the question. I think people know when their kids are running around. And I think people have different tolerance levels for that. And had it been me, and I've been in that situation before, um, I have made jokes before, like, hey, guys, you know, or like you do the it's it's either way, it kind of comes out kind of passive aggressive, right? Because you're doing the whole like, hey, little Cindy. Cindy. You yeah. almost knocked, ran into that waitress. Ha, ha, ha. And you, you're you hoping the other parent's listening. And if they're not, then there's not a whole lot you can do, right? It's not your kid. Right. I, I guess I'm just not really sure. I don't know. There's no good answer here except to say I'm validating Claire's frustration and saying
0: fr- it would be frustrating. And it's not on
1: you. Your kid being the youngest in the group doesn't make you any more uh, culpable or responsible. Um, a right. big kid can do just as much and maybe more damage running around.
0: So Oh, definitely. Yeah.
1: I don't know. Sarah, yeah. where do you
0: stand on that? Okay. So I also, I also expect pretty good behavior in restaurants because I also waited tables forever. Yeah. And just, um, I guess I'm not too picky about how my kids are at the table. I feel like they're pretty no, messy me too. Yeah. or semi loud, but yeah, I, I would have, especially when you're in confined spaces, I don't like yeah. feeling like kids are in the way of servers. Um, I guess in this situation, if it were me, and again, how we got to this situation is the, the different story, but, um, I think it is because your kid is the youngest. You can't let an 18 month old run off and play with the big kids. What I probably would do um is because I'm stuck being with my kid anyway, there's not an option really there. Um I would probably approach one of the cousins and say, hey, this I'm I'm uncomfortable with how many kids there are right in this small space. Would it be okay if um I took them outside or one of you want to join me outside for a little bit? Because then you kind of put it on yourself. Like, hey, I feel really bad. Um and you're not you're not blaming any of the kids, but like I feel bad for the restaurant that we're you know, causing this scene in here and I'm happy to take the kids outside. Would you help me? I don't feel comfortable watching six kids by myself or would right. does somebody else want to come out with me and we can chat while the kids run around. So, um, so I guess I would say something, but not necessarily to correct the kids' behavior because right. here's the other side. I am, as we know, as we discuss often, I am, on the, I am entering into the phase where I am one of those people who can sit back have a glass of wine and let my kids play. Not that I would let them play right in a restaurant, but I am no longer the one bouncing a baby around at a restaurant. And it is really awesome. So I kind of empathize with, I mean, maybe her cousins are really good conscientious parents and just really for the first time we're able to sit down and enjoy a conversation and we're being like, sort of benign benignly negligent because it yeah. felt really darn good you know what I yeah, mean yeah no like, I
1: get that I totally do and I will say you just
0: kind of like let the kids go because it's been eight years since you've been able to do that and yeah. poor Claire is not at that phase so she has she's, no choice she's so like hey I got side. no choice You know, and I will
1: say I have friends who have very active toddlers, and I'm not in that stage and have not been for a very long time. And and Clara, even longer than Clara, because she was not a super active toddler, she was easy at that kind of thing. So it's been a long time for me. But one of the ways I've sort of given back, I guess, paying it forward, is I will always be the one to pull that three-year-old in my lap and get out crayons and paper. I mean, I just feel like that's my... Yeah. duty as a parent yeah. who's been there to give my friends a break yeah. so they can yeah. enjoy their beer or whatever and not yeah. worry about their kid running around. Yeah. Um, John and I both do that. We're great at that. But yeah. at the same time, in this the situation that Claire's describing, describing, um, I just wouldn't be. I, I would have a really hard time with that. I would not be enjoying myself, so I would right. have to do something. It, like yeah. you said, that's a great solution. Your solution is good could suggest we move on to a different venue maybe yeah. um maybe like next time ask for a private room right. pull out some p- crayons and paper and distract the kids uh right. get out a tablet i mean there's options in this case and i think you know everybody everybody is equally responsible to make that happen but again like you said everyone has different she's stuck yeah. there anyway right yeah. i mean I she want to said. say
0: something about the whole parenting other people's kids. Cause I think this can get to be a hot topic. And oh, I yeah. think in certain circles, you're like never allowed ever to parent other people's kids. And I just don't agree with that. Like as a blank as a premise blanket yeah. statement. Yeah. I, I agree. Think there's ways to talk to groups of kids, even kids that you're just meeting for the first time or that you don't hang out with very often. I think there's really respectful ways to talk to kids where Um, especially if there's one or two really conscientious or maybe a little bit more mature, less rowdy kids in that group who really might change their behavior with a little bit of a reminder. And I don't think that that's, I don't, I really don't think that's overstepping bounds. I think sometimes parents overstep their bounds in parenting other people's kids for sure. But in a case like this, I just would use my like mama teacher voice and be like, Hey guys, you know, there's waiters coming through with hot food and we don't want anybody to get hurt or get spilled. So let's take this and move it over here or let's play an I spy game or let's like, I, so, but again, if I, if I had an 18 month old, that was my first kid and I had not been around big kids as much, I probably wouldn't have the confidence to do that. But now yeah. I would, I have no yeah.
1: problem directing, <laughs> telling yeah. a group of kids what to do. And, and it, and it doesn't offend me at all. if Someone else does that. To yeah. I mean, neither. So, I think there's ways I, yeah. to
0: do it that, you know, when it gets real personal or when you're interviewing, intervening in an argument or something, I get why people get sensitive about that. But when you're just, when it's basic basic things like Like this kid um, management.
1: It's just, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just reminding and kids need reminders. I think also one final thing too, is when you have little, little ones, big kids can be kind of like a strange beast, right? Like they're Mm -hmm. just, if you don't have them, they're big and they're loud and they're noisy. And so the rowdiness seems almost even more magnified because you're not used to it. I don't know, Claire, I feel like, I hope we backed you up here because we've totally been there. Oh yeah. Crappy situation. So, I hope it didn't seem like we're
1: taking the other side. No, not. But, I'm not taking, yeah. I'm not even taking oh. a side. I'm saying I think I'm, I tend to be more like Claire. Um, I have compassion for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and like you said, you don't, you don't know what was going on in anyone's mind. So, I'd have no idea. I think in the future, um, if, you have any, if you have any say in the planning of something like this, um, maybe set everyone up for just yep. better times and because, get a buddy
0: too if you're sp- yeah. if you're aligned with your spouse or one of the cousins is, you know, like a good buddy. You can say going in like, "Hey, last time this did not work for me. Like, let's right. let's see what we can do to make it different." Absolutely.
1: All Right. Well, Claire, we hope that
0: helps. I hope that helps. And hopefully you don't have to do a family reunion dinner until you're the one who can sit back and enjoy your glass of wine. (laughs) Um, okay. So we do have one more question, but before we do that, I wanted to jump in and, um, remind people to take our listener survey. If they have not already, we've had great responses. Um, And really in large numbers, which I – taking surveys is annoying, and now I do them when people ask because I know that it's so important to get this information and find out more about who's listening. So um, if you haven't, it's right on our website at themomhour.com, and um, we would love to hear from you in that short survey. Um, And then also another quick reminder to leave us an iTunes review if you have not already. We've gotten some really nice ones over the summer. We also heard from a listener who does not use any iTunes or Apple products, so her phone and her computer are not Apple. And she went through like an incredible circus to download yes. iTunes and leave us a review, which I feel really bad because it's not that important. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if you are an, um, if you are a pure Android or non Mac, Apple user, and you're able to leave a review on one of your other podcast platforms, that's awesome. If not, you know, it's don't okay. sweat it, don't, yeah, spend don't an sweat out. But thank you iTunes. so
1: much to that. I know, list, thank you. It yeah. was so sweet.
0: Um, but if you are an Apple user and have an easy way to get into iTunes and leave us a review, it's a big help.
1: We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest. I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know, what's good to go my shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite.
0: Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring.
1: Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to hiyahealth.com/momhour. The deal's not available on their regular website. Go to mom momhour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need. To grow into healthy adults. Moving on. Do you want to set this one up for Amanda? Are you sure. looking at Sure. Yeah. I am. Um, okay. So, Amanda's question is: My question is, did either of you co-sleep with your kids? Gabriel sleeps in bed with us, right or wrong, he does, and has since like six months. I never wanted to do it. I planned to have him in the crib right away, but it didn't happen. Uh, oh, shoot. I just did something and like my, my screen jumped. When he was born, my husband worked the graveyard night shift, so I felt more comfortable with him closer to me so I could get up and nurse and be close if he needed anything. But now that we have switched roles and I work graveyard, it hasn't stopped. At home when I sleep during the day, Gabriel naps with me, and at night, he sleeps in my bed with my husband. I know he's getting too old to co-sleep, and I know we need to transition him to his own crib, but I just don't even know how. Um... We have the crib set up by our bed, but when we put him in there, he cries. We are struggling with the bedtime routine because my husband and I have abnormal lives and work schedules, so he is up usually until 10, 30, or 11. But at that point, we just want to get him in bed and asleep. sleep. Any advice here would be great. And hes okay. I think Gabriel's 15 months, she he's said. He's 15 months. Her,
0: just for the context.
1: So I was a long-term co-sleeper with all of my kids. I have been exactly where you are, Amanda, and I've been in the place where it's like too late to be- go back <laughs> and start the other way. Um, but almost also too late. It's, it's like you get to that point where you have to decide, are we going to have some nights that really suck right now? Are we going to have them later? Yeah. Am I just going to wait this out and kind of have nights that, you know, like if you're getting okay sleep, is it worth just waiting it out until he's big enough to move him into a uh, toddler bed or some a bed that he feels more comfortable in? I mean, I hesitate to give really hard advice on this because it's so personal and people do sleep train. I mean, that's basically what you're doing would be sleep training a a 15 month old at this point, Mm -hmm. because you'd be completely re, um, you'd be completely, um, reshaping the way he falls asleep, Mm -hmm. where he sleeps. It's a big Mm -hmm. deal at that age. He's very used to what he's doing. Mm Um, one thing that I would do sometimes at that age, because that's when they start to get a little big and if they kick and it's not easy to sleep with them is let them fall asleep with you and then move them into their crib. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've read about people doing things like moving them, then moving the crib, like slowly across the room and then out in the hall and then (laughs) down the hallway. I mean, I've heard people go through these strategies. There was a book out and I want to say there was one that was for babies. Um, and it was, I think it was about geared toward moms who co-slept or parents who co-slept and then there was like a toddler version where they had some different strategies for Mm. getting around that but I guess the question I come back to is you say he's getting too old well why is that because other people say that is it because that's what you really think is it because you're not sleeping well is it because he's not sleeping well I think that's your answer if if he's sleeping well you're sleeping well and you're fine with the arrangement, then other people don't, it's nobody's business. I mean, no one's going to be coming in your bedroom at night and, you know, super nanny is not going to be knocking at your door. Um, I will also say that even though all five of my kids co-slept quite, quite long, they all are fine. No, they're fine sleepers. One nice thing is they can kind of sleep anywhere, which is, Mm -hmm. has been actually kind of nice. Like we can, we travel a lot we can visit family Mm -hmm. and they can always find a place that they can easily Mm -hmm. fall asleep. So I don't know. I feel like I just rambled a whole bunch. No, (laughs) I guess if I could give any advice is just figure out why you want to change it and before you decide to change it.
0: Yeah. No, you said exactly what I was going to say, which is, um, do, are you happy with the current arrangement? And if so, then I I agree. I think yeah. that, that that's the only thing that matters. I went to when I was pregnant with my first, I went to this like a baby event and there was a sleep person speaking who had a very gentle, you know, very gentle approach. But she did, she was a sleep trainer, but she incorporated a lot of info for parents who chose to co-sleep and her um one thing she said that stuck with me is there's a number of people who choose to co-sleep and choose to do it safely and it's an intentional choice and that is awesome there are a, there's a big subsection of co-sleepers whose kids are in their bed because they haven't figured out any other way and who are yeah. not happy. And if right. you are one of those people, then here's some strategies. But if yeah. you are if you, if it's an intentional choice and it's what works, then end of story. There is no yeah. s- there is no solution Needed. I don't know. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. No, that um, totally
1: makes sense. And you know, think about this from a from a global perspective. You know, uh, Western culture is one of is kind of uh, unique in that we don't sleep next to our kids. I mean, that's yeah. it's just not really what we do here most of the time. Most people, um, it's not really accepted culturally. But but a, worldwide, it, it's common. So I like to think about that sometimes when I'm thinking about what's right yep. or wrong. It's sometimes nice to remember that we're not the only, you know. Americans and Westerners in general aren't the only people in the world. And we're not, we don't necessarily always have it all figured out. It's more about, like you said, like, how is it something you're doing because you want to do it or because it's working for you? No matter how you fell into it, a lot of people ended up co sleeping just because they couldn't get any sleep any other way and they fell into it. But once you're there, do you have to stop just because it wasn't what you meant to do right. or you know right. what I mean? Or what, is it better just to stick it out? Um, I think yeah. it could go either way. The book I found, by the way, it's called the no cry sleep solution and mm-hmm. yeah, uh, the author's one. name is Elizabeth Pantley, but she yep. has a version for toddlers. I'm pretty sure. Okay. okay. So, um, then that's geared more toward, you know, like, so now here's a situation. I have a baby right. who won't go to sleep. He's, you know, 15 months old, right. um, who won't sleep through the night for wh- wherever he's at. Um, and she has solutions for that. And I thought, I thought it was a good book cause it was a very compassionate, yeah. And not judge you at all depend you know, regardless of where yeah. you are. Well, I also w- want to oh go ahead. No, I was just gonna say we'll link to that. Um, okay. We'll
0: look it up and link to it. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was also gonna say that I want I always want parents to keep in mind that they that sleep is a huge industry in this country and sleep solutions, sleep products like there's a lot of incentive for people to always be coming up with new ways to get babies to sleep. And mm-hmm. I guess the judgment or the lack of support for co-sleeping kind of goes along with that. Because if you just mm-hmm. sleep with your baby in your bed and you and you like it, there's really no book. Right. <laughs> there's no system right. to be purchased. So I would just kinda like people to keep that in mind. Like there's sleep is one of those things there's they're always still figuring out new things about new research. And right. no one's really totally got all the answers. Um and the the different solutions if you will are as unique and as varied as the babies themselves mm-hmm. and the families so i don't know i guess that's my yeah answer.
0: no i agree i was going to say a couple a couple more quick things um number one i didn't say when i started talking that i did not sleep, co-sleep with any of my babies so you and i it's one of our areas where we did things a little different but um but i don't have any anti co-sleeping <laughs> feelings at all Um, I was also going to say that, um, Amanda told us, she wrote us a great email where she was, went into detail about their very unconventional schedule. She does work an overnight graveyard shift and has Mm -hmm. to sleep during the day and doesn't really have childcare support during the day, a little bit. Um, but, and then her husband's on duty during the day and it was really beautiful the way they're making it work. And I would say when, when the schedule is sort of looks different or non-traditional and the time that you have with your kid is when you're also supposed to be, sleeping and they are yeah. still napping a fair amount because they're little. I mean, to me that is, even more would make sense that you find a sleep solution that's just really natural with the rhythms yes. of your, you know, like it doesn't, yep. the books that advocate a six thirty bedtime for your one year old who's going to sleep 12 hours and then you're all going to get up and go to daycare and work in school is not going to apply to you because that's right. not what your life looks like. So why should You know, I I would say that's a a vote for really trusting what works because you already have this, you know,
1: unconventional schedule. And it can Um, be a it can be a really great bonding time, especially if you're spending time away from your baby during the day and it doesn't last forever. I mean this is we'll say this about any phase right but 15 months old that you can start to feel like that is the that year starts to drag that yeah. second year and it can really feel like this is never going to end this is yeah. always going to be the way it is and here we are to tell you it will pass a lot yeah. more quickly than you would even anticipate and you might get to a point where it's just not an issue like you can yep. easily move him out of your bed and he's excited you know to move yep. into this other bed and and so you don't have to put yourself through the ringer now right. unless there's a really compelling reason for unless you to that. yeah unless it's time and you
0: will know when it's time like when nobody's getting any sleep and nobody's happy right it's time I feel like that was always the prompt for when I needed to do some sleep training or shift something was when we were all truly miserable and then it's like okay well we need to do something different because this isn't working but from Amanda's email that isn't the vibe that I was exactly. getting necessarily. Yeah, either. Yeah. Um, and I think, I don't know, cause I didn't co-sleep, but I would imagine in the Elizabeth Pantley book and in other resources, there are still ways to help toddlers feel like there's a routine and a structure even, and maybe some expectations about sleep and falling asleep, even when you do co-sleep. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, oh, yeah. so if she's feeling like, like kind of, she's got to be at the whim of, when he's tired and then they all have to get in bed, I think there, there's probably some good strategies there for co-sleeping families to still put some routine and, and ritual around sleep.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, I think
0: that, um, that takes us, takes our time for today, but those were some awesome, awesome questions. And again, we love getting everybody's questions. You can email them to us at hello at the mom Love to know what listeners think of our answers because we went with a you know
1: slightly more controversial topic. Yeah, we there. sure did today. We're like really oh. kind of branching out. I know.
0: Maybe we actually. Putting ourselves a- out there.
1: No. We had opinions, like real ones.
0: Real opinions. <laughs> um, so Becky and Claire and Amanda, thank you so much for letting us uh, go Dear Abby on you um, in this podcast. Keep those,
1: keep those speak pipes coming because we really, I really love listening to those. Really
0: excited. And I've said it a million times, but I'll say it again, that if you feel awkward or shy about recording your own voice, you can delete it as many times as you want. And you won't send us like a mess up because we mess up all the time. Like today we had to restart our recording. So, um, if you, if you have stage fright, it's a good system. So that's, um, I'll link to that in our show
1: notes at themomhour.com too. So. All right. Well, nice little short one today. It is the end of summer and we have vacations and all kinds of stuff going on. So we're 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 doing a double header today. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll talk to everybody next, next week. week.
0: keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data.
1: Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code TheMomHour. Go to Erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, -K E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code TheMomHour to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've
0: loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general.
1: You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom or listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's. M-E-A-G-A-N Francis